Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Welcome to Women on the Line, Community Radio's National Women's Current Affairs Program, produced at 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. I'm Marie Nord. On today's Women on the Line, I speak with the wonderful Tando Sikwila who is a musician and actor playing Shook Avery in the Australian theatre production of Alice Walker's The Colour Purple. We chat about theatre, the importance of Alice Walker's work and what it's like to play a character like Shook Avery. Later, we hear from Amy Batalabasi, who's a Solomon Islander filmmaker, director and founder of Colourbox Studio in Footscray. Her 2015 project Blackbird is a short film that explores the untold story of Australia's sugar slaves in the late 1800s through two main characters and siblings, Kiko and Rosa. I'm excited to say we have a jam-packed show today full of discussions about art, film, theatre, representation and storytelling and to kick off, I asked Tando about the importance of a production like The Colour Purple being presented in Australia. I just want to start really quickly just talking about The Colour Purple. It's one of my favourite books um, and Alice Walker is one of my favourite humans in the world. Um, yes. It's a, an important and groundbreaking text. So what does it mean to have it showing in Australia with an Australian cast and especially with such a solid cast of black and brown actors? I think it's important to be telling the story in Australia. Um, I think a lot of people overlook the fact that there are, you know, unstable race relations within this country and they're thinking about the treatment of Indigenous people and even so the treatment of Indigenous women. Um, having a story like Colour Purple come onto Australian shores and to be able to be um, to be shown by you know, people of colour within our own community and people that we've all grown up with, it, it starts that conversation amongst people of all different races and different age groups and people who come from different backgrounds about, you know, how people have to overcome a certain type of adversity um, due to, to the nature of how they've grown up and who they are as people and, and stuff that we can't control. If we can't control that we're born black or brown or, or Asian, we, we can't control that. So societal bounds that that are put in place that restrict us from certain things or, you know, subject us to a certain kind of treatment because of the way that we are. Um, it's something that really needs to be spoken about. And I know it's nowhere near as as intense as it was, you know, 50 to 100 years ago in this country, but it's important to still be able to have that conversation because our generation needs to know where our ancestors came from and the things that they went through to be able to be who they are now and for us to be able to live the lives that we live now. So telling the story of the colour purple, everyone's going to be able to relate to it. It doesn't matter what background that you're from, but everyone's going to be able to take something away from the story because it isn't just about race, but it's really good to have that highlighted here because that's not a conversation people seem to like to have here in Australia. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and art is often the place to really start having those conversations when they're not being had, right? Exactly. I want to know what it's like to play your character, Shug Avery, who's also one of my most favourite characters. Um, so for those who don't know The Colour Purple, Shug is a really, really exceptional character who really at the time, and I guess in real like Alice Walker fashion, rattled the cage in terms of sexuality, in terms of spirituality. Um, and she's also a character who really helped Celie survive and kind yeah. of thrive. So what's it like playing this amazing, wonderful character? It's been really eye-opening for me. Like, I think the more that I go into rehearsals or do any more character development um, on Shug, it's gone from me reading lines and just trying to get through it to realising how much of an emotional connection I have to the character and how many similarities we have. And, you know, the more I've been watching um, Jamie, who plays Seely, the more I've been watching her grow into her role, it's encouraged me to be able to take more risks with Shulgin. And I've realised that, well, we're pretty much one in the same. And when I was initially cast in a role, I at first didn't understand why, because I'd initially auditioned for Sophia. Because I thought I'd be a better Sophia than I ever could be a Shug, right? But Robbie Carmelotti, our director, had an idea of how he could work with me as Pando playing the role of Shug. And it's been a lot of fun because I've learned a lot about myself and how much like sugar I am, it turns out I actually am really sexually liberated and I'm not shy about it. And I never realised until I actually got the opportunity to play this role, you know, how much of a free, open spirit I am and just the, the sense of nurturing someone else and, and showing them that they're beautiful and that they're loved. This character didn't have that growing up from her father, so that's what a lot of her motivation is when she's out in the world doing the things that she does. She's out to show people that they can feel good about themselves and she really lets Seely know that she's beautiful and that she is worth something and experiencing that change in Jamie, who was playing the character of Seely, every time we had an interaction together, I started to believe more and more in what Shug's motivations were and I've started applying them to myself and I really feel like it's kind of playing the role of Shug. It's not Shug playing, being played by Tando. And I think that all sort of makes sense when people come and see the performance because I've approached her a lot differently to the way the movie did and differently to how people would have perceived the character from the book. So I'm really excited to show people what I've done with the character. I'm really excited to see it. On Community Radio Round Australia, you're listening to Women on the Line. Go to 3cr.org.au slash womenontheline to download this week's program. Don't forget you can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Alice Walker is um, an exceptional writer and storyteller and has a really profound way of making characters who live worlds apart from mm-hmm. like us and, and everyone really relatable. What do you think yeah. of Alice Walker? Basically, I'm asking you, how much do you love Alice Walker? I'll be completely honest. My only sort of exposure to the colour purple before auditioning for the show was having watched the movie. And I think I was maybe 11 or 12 years old at the time, so I didn't fully understand what I was watching or how much of an impact I had. I auditioned for the show because I loved working with stage art. And seeing the amount of passion Robbie had for the show and for the books really made me want to get involved and you know since getting cast I read the book and I really appreciated the way that the whole book is written as diary entries from Celie's point of view but because not only are you getting everything from Celie's point of view but 
the way she's describing people's growth through the story, like through, through the 40 or so years that the story is set, you know, you see Suge's transformation to to a caring maternal figure versus a, an obnoxious, loud, crazy, you know, <laughs> performer woman. Like you see her actually nurturing and caring about feeling, putting her first. And you see Mister's transformation as well. And I think to be able to get people to relate to the characters and to see their growth and go from point A to point B when you're only reading it from a first person's perspective, from the protagonist's perspective, is absolutely incredible. I haven't read very many other texts that have been successfully able to do that because people would really sort of expect to just relate with Seely because they're reading something from her point of view. But I was, I don't even know how she did it, but she really had a way of making me feel, because I knew I was playing the role of Shug, whenever I was reading any pages that had Shug in them and Seely was describing situations that were happening with Shug, I was putting myself in the position mm. of being Shug in that moment. And it gave me a better understanding of what was going through Celie's mind when certain things were happening and different interactions that we had. And I don't know any other authors who could do that. So the story is central around one person, but to be able to show the other characters' growth and for people to still be able to relate to it is incredible. Yeah. So she did a fantastic fantastic job yeah it's yeah it's it's incredible I had the same experience I watched it on tv with my like my mum when I was young Mm. like you know 12 13 14 and then when I got out of um high school a friend of mine let me borrow her copy and I was just obsessed like I was glued and I was highlighting in the book and stuff and had to buy a new book because I had ruined her like and I had yeah I had the same experience it was on tv watched it with my mom saw some like you know Whoopi Goldberg and Oprah got really excited didn't really understand what was going on and then afterwards it was like bam like whoa okay yeah and it wasn't until I'd fully read the book myself like as an adult to understand exactly what was going on I realized how beautifully executed this piece of work was and no matter who you were, you could find something to relate to within that story. And you'd either end up in tears and you feel happy and you feel a sense of love and relief for Celia at the end. And to be able to relate to that, even though I've never gone through anything like that, I think is so incredible. And it's a fantastic book to have been able to, to do that. Mm-hmm. And that's why I was really excited to be able to, to do some work with my character in the stage show. And I, I really appreciate the way the stage show is... Um, I feel like it's a lot more truer to the book, especially in terms of the relationship that Suge has with Seely. The movie kind of brushed on it. It didn't really, mm-hmm. they didn't really focus on on their relationship as much as Alice Walker had gone into detail in the book. So yeah. the stage show allows us to be able to explore that relationship a lot more. And knowing that all I have is the text, so I've got Alice Walker's novel, and I've got my own personal experiences to be able to put forth a a convincing and real performance for the people that come and watch it. And I want them to truly believe that I really do care for Seely. And, and I've grown to love Jamie, who's, who's playing Seely. So mm. it's all going to be real. And I'm really, really looking forward to it. Oh, my God. It's so exciting. So speaking of the <laughs> show, just give me dates. Give me when people can, where people can find tickets. Okay. Um, so on the Chapel of Chapel website or from stageart.com.au, um, it's running from October 13th to November the 7th, so we've actually extended the season. Because tickets are selling really fast. Um, if, if you're 
even remotely interested in coming to see the show, I definitely recommend getting on tickets as soon as you can. I tried to buy some tickets for my mum on a particular day and they were the last couple of that day. So it really has been selling quite well. And even before the cast announcement came out, the tickets were selling really well. So you don't want to miss it. Um, as far as I know, it's not touring. So if you're not in Victoria and you do want to come see the show, I definitely recommend planning a trip mm-hmm. with your girlfriends and yes. your family. And, get some flights. And come and see it. Yeah, get some get flights. Get on a flight and do it. Because <laughs> Seriously. This is the first time and it may very well be the only time. Like Who knows the mm-hmm. next time anyone's going to put the cold purple on again. So this is something that you don't want to miss. Totally. And just before I let you go, clearly people are hungry for this. Clearly people are hungry for seeing people of colour and stories that centre people of colour on stage. Absolutely. And and you know what? Because it's such a rarity for Australian theatre to have an all-black cast for a show that is centred around black people. There there aren't enough productions that are being run for people of colour. And I've been extremely lucky to be working with Stage Art because they continue to push the envelope and Mm -hmm. bring shows out that wouldn't necessarily be done by other theatre companies and they take that risk and the risk paid off, you know, last year when they did In the Heights and Dream Girls, mm. which I got to be part of, and then doing it again for The Colour Purple. I'm so, so lucky and Victoria is really lucky that Stage Art is raised here and that we have access to theatre like this because no one else is doing it. I swear I'm doing that all the time. Please understand that I'm sorry. I know you don't want me no more. No, you don't want me no more. That was the excellent Tando Sequilla, ending on the importance of diverse voices and faces in theatre. Now we chat with Amy Badalabasi, Solomon Islander filmmaker, director and founder of Colourbox Studio in Footscray. Blackbird is a short film of hers exploring the untold story of Australia's sugar slaves in the late 1800s. She starts off explaining the context of the project. I should start by saying that... um as an Australian Solomon Islander, some of my own heritage is, is um, and my ancestors are kind of part of that history of blackbirding, which is the, the, the process of, um, I guess, kidnapping of Pacific Islanders to Australia to work in the sugarcane fields in the kind of late 1800s. The story of Blackbird and the Blackbird film really comes from my own background as a Pacific Islander but also uh, I have worked in Queensland with Australian South Sea Islander communities doing documentary film projects and so with those two things when I started my masters at VCA last year I actually started writing a romantic sci-fi or some kind of film like that and uh, but very early on, I realised, actually, my heart isn't in this film. I might make it later. But the story that I really wanted to tell was about blackbirding and about Pacific Islanders in Australia during that time. And I just felt 100% compelled to tell that story because I, when I started talking about it with people, I realised that most people don't know about this, this history and it is another black history that has been shoved under the carpet and so in terms of my research for the film you know I I guess I've I've lived that history in a way or uh, talking to my family and um and also working in Queensland with Australians South Islanders who are telling their stories of their families 
and their experiences. And I also access a lot of online uh, archival photos and newspaper articles uh, that are, are freely available. And all of that together kind of led to my to the story that I wrote uh, for the short film. And of course, because I'm from the Solomon Islands, the story revolves around a brother and sister from the Solomon Islands who, um, in the film, we see them working on the sugarcane fields in Mackay in Queensland and we see, you know, their harsh conditions. We see the struggles that they go through uh, there on the field. And it's being screened at Imaginative Film and Media Arts Festival in Canada. What does it mean to have this wonderful and important film screening over there? Yeah, having Blackbird screen at the Imaginative Film Festival in Toronto is honestly a big honour. I think it's the world's largest presenter of Indigenous uh, screen content. So that is a great privilege. And because the story of blackbirding um, in Australia is one that's unknown in Australia, you know, it's unknown throughout the world. So in a way, the showing of it in Canada is a chance to tell this story um, in, you know, an international platform. And so I'm just really excited about that, actually. And it, it's such an important thing, which is why I'm going over to the festival. It's so, 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 so exciting. So tell me a little bit about Colourbox Studios and tell me about why that started, why there was a need, um, the kind of work that is done there. Colourbox Studio is a thing. It, it's funny. We I don't really have a term for what it is because when I set it up, I wanted it to be able to evolve and change as we go. So it's been four years now. And basically we run creative arts programming in and around Melbourne. And we do a plethora of, of creative things, whether it's workshops, whether it's uh, public art, whether it's um, exhibitions, or um, now we're doing a pop-up shop. And the main emphasis is just to support artists and help them to showcase their work and also make a little income from from doing that and as an artist and creative myself I know how hard that road is so we're kind of like a bit of a support network particularly for emerging artists. Women's on the line. Women on the line. Women on the line. Yeah, so the Colourbox Studio Spring Pop-Up Shop is our fourth pop-up shop, actually, and it'll be our biggest. And the idea around it is to have artists uh, showcase their work, their wares, the things that they make in our shop, and for it to be focused on handmade and on local artists and Melbourne-made and designed. So... In the shop, you'll find all sorts of wonderful things, whether it's art prints or handmade jewellery or um, tea towels and homewares. And, yeah, just it's going to be an amazing, um, diverse range of stuff that you can buy. And, um, you know, being able to sell your work is such an important part of, um, of an artist's journey, I guess. And so we're really happy, happy to provide that platform. I've 
guess I've been making films now for the last eight years and primarily I've really been existing within the community arts sector um, and amazingly that's just really actually very supportive of uh, cultural diversity. So I've been able to do lots of film projects um, within the arts, working with um, you know people from migrant and refugee backgrounds and culturally diverse backgrounds and Pacific Islander backgrounds, Indigenous backgrounds. So that's been really wonderful. And now I've kind of made this shift um, because I want to make narrative and drama films. And I'm actually now having to exist more within the Australian film industry. And actually that has been a very, very challenging step because as we know, if we turn on the TV or if we go to the cinema, you know, the the stories that are being told are very, I guess, one-dimensional and um, unfortunately don't really provide space for diverse storytelling, really, um, to, to a certain extent. And um, so I am, as a woman of colour, as a filmmaker, as a director as well, it's, it's really, really challenging to exist within that space. And I think there was a report that Screen Australia did recently um, about drama on television and the stats just, you know, are not surprising because we all know when we turn on the TV we don't see <laughs> the diversity that, um, that I see within my own community. And so those stats that came out really just, you know, reinforces um, our lack of diverse storytelling in Australia in terms of film and television. So it's a challenging space to exist within and every day, you know, I just, my approach is just to keep making films because every film that I make will have um, someone who's culturally diverse in it. So I've just got to keep doing it. Obviously, I'm on social media, just my name, Amy Badalabasi. I'm on Twitter and Instagram, and um, I have a Facebook page for Blackbird, which is Blackbird Film Project, and Colourbox Studio also has a Facebook page, but I also have a website where I, yeah, I do a bit of updating of my projects, and um, you can find me there. If you want to get in touch with Amy, Colourbox Studios or screen any of her films, including Blackbird, please jump on her website, amybatabalasi.com and like the Colourbox Studio and Blackbird Film Project Facebook pages. The Colourbox Spring pop-up shop will launch on October 7 until November 4 at Victoria Uni at Metro West, 138 Nicholson Street in Footscray. So make sure you get along to that once it's up. The Colour Purple will open on the 13th of October until the 6th of November at Chapel on Chapel and tickets are selling fast so jump on stageart.com.au to grab your tickets. Check out more of Tando's amazing work on her Facebook page and all these links will be on the Women on the Line program page at 3cr.org.au slash women on the line. Women 
on the line is Community Radio's National Women's Current Affairs Program. It's produced and presented by a range of women broadcasters from 3CR in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. We greatly appreciate the financial support of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. We welcome your comments or thoughts on today's show, so send us an email at womenonthelineline at gmail.com. Women on the Line programs can be downloaded from our website, 3cr.org.au slash womenonthelineline. The theme music for Women on the Line is Slideshow at Free University by Le Tigre. And the feature songs for today's episode of Women on the Line are Work by Tando and Blue Boss by Sampa the Great. Thank you for listening to Women on the Line. I'm Original and I hope you can tune in again next time. Please understand that I'm sorry I know you don't want me no more